0: Praise the Lord. Well, I want to ask um, Pavel to come forward. And he is, Pavel is a member of Lionel of Judah. We were talking this week as I'd like to get together sometimes with people from the church for different kinds of reasons. And uh, Pavel, uh, as he did uh, with Gene Brooks the other day, moved me uh, with his uh, testimony of how the Lord has worked in his life and what God has done through his life and what he's doing now. Now, Pavel is from Poland and he's a genuine Polish man, because he came from um, Poland just a few years ago, really, and he wasn't born here. He was born in Poland, Catholic, Orthodox Catholic nonetheless, and God has done a tremendous work in his life, Uh, and Christmas is about that. Christmas is about Jesus coming into the life of people like you and like me and being birthed inside of us. So, Pavel, I just want you to share a little bit about what God has done in your life and how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, uh, let me see, yeah. There you go, all right.
1: Hi everyone, God bless you. I wanna, I, wanna just, I wanna just give uh, glory to God, Jesus Christ, that he found me as the lost sheep, as the, the first glory to him. And I was um, like, for the first time I came to this church was 2013, and I was introduced actually by Anna, how do you and it? Anna,
0: Anna was a member of our, the Spanish ministry. Spanish ministry. Yeah. And uh, barely speaking English, really. And yes. a very humble woman. She's with the Lord now, as a matter of fact. But he, she invited Pavel and Martha to come. to Pavel and, the my, church. and my wife, yeah, yeah Martha. Yeah. And uh,
1: actually, Martha came first. And then I just follow, I believe, follow the Spirit, of course.
0: Men always Christ. being a little more reluctant. Yes. To come and, to the Lord. And <laughs> so Martha came
1: first to the Lord. Obviously, I, yeah. I was the next one. And... Uh, I want to just also give thanks to my wife, Marta, and uh, also to all the pastors, Pastor Greg, and all the people who support me and give me the, uh, you know, the, the vision. Also, what is, what it does it mean to be a Christian? But I also I, I was struggling. I was still living in sin. I, I I didn't know who I who I was. I I was just coming to the church, like sitting, like you guys sitting, and like I was sitting, and I I just I couldn't understand, like, there must be something bigger, just, that, uh, that's what I need.
0: The, you, you, you were a Christian, I mean, in the sense that you had gone to Orthodox Catholic Church yes. in Poland, but you didn't have a real experience with the Lord, a personal experience. So you're coming to the church, you're listening, but you're not really there yet. What happens then at that point? Yes, I, I like, it was
1: 2016, the fear of God came upon me when I was sitting at home and i just realized that i am the sinner i i need to die for myself i need to die for myself because I, I was i was the enemy and i and i just i just found some group of people who were going out on the street preaching the gospel and i just went with them actually and i i got i had a hunger I was like a dirty, so I wanted to, to be baptized. So that's what I did. I just died for myself in the water. And for, it's been over three years that I'm like a new man. I, I just realized this, yeah. this is beautiful life now. I can just walk and and just bring the truth to the world to shine like he was shining. That, that the, uh, that's. That's what I do now even. I go on the street every Sunday after the, the service to just talk to the people, to give them love, to, to, to just show them the truth that Jesus is alive. And our sister had a beautiful vision today about, the, about that. And she said that it's not about us. This is true, it's not about me, it's not about us. It's about him who lives in us. So we shine, we go, we are the light, for this, for this world. So the people could see Jesus in us. In all of us. And the, when I just started reading Bible. I, I just realized wow. All this is true. It's for me. I I was finally like. You know. Delighted. I was like wow this is true. So I just lay hand on some people, And I've seen the miracles in my life. Like God used me. That because it says then when the believers will lay hands on the sick they shall recover it's not like some only special anointed people it's all of us all of us because as devil uses some people right we can see how devil works through people it's the same thing god wants to use you he wants to use me all of us right so we could be the, like the warriors
0: that's all about it and amen amen and you know, one thing that moves me, thank you, Pavel, one thing that moves me about Pavel is the fact that he went from being just a nominal Christian who knew of God generically to being a radical believer. I think he's more Pentecostal than I am in many ways. I mean, you, see, you can see him out in the street. You see him out in the street preaching the gospel, uh, cold turkey to people out there praying for the sick. God has uh, done miracles through his, uh, his prayers and uh, some of his companions. So, I mean, that, that's what Christmas is really all about. It's about having Jesus inside your heart. When he comes into your life, when he's birthed inside of you, he takes over. Things begin to happen. You shouldn't be afraid just because you're not there yet, as he was saying. You know, come where you are. Come as you are. And then let the Lord guide you step by step. He will show you the way. He will bring you into that full Passionate uh, relationship with him that Pavel so uh, exemplifies. So um, I I encourage you, as you hear this uh, message uh, that I want to share with you this morning, um, uh, remember, people like Pavel, you can be a Pavel in the sense of being possessed and passionate uh, about uh, the Spirit of Christ. I want to briefly read to you a couple of uh, passages. One is from the uh, Gospel of Luke. And I want to speak about the cost of the Incarnation. Christmas is about Jesus becoming flesh, coming into the world, being born as a baby, living as a man, dying as a man, being resurrected as a man in a way, of course, also divine and following that um, journey in substitution for us and as sort of the archetype for what we also are called to be and to experience. So remember, Christmas is about God coming into the world, becoming flesh, incarnating and uh, becoming like a man in order to, and being a man, in order to save us and to bring us into eternal relationship with God. So in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 2, excuse me, Luke chapter 2, um, let, me, let me just begin in uh, verse seven, two, 7, It says, and she gave birth, of course, uh, meaning Mary, to her firstborn son and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in The inn. Jesus' life begins very inauspiciously in a manger. No room for him in a decent place. He is born in an angel. Uh, Excuse me, in a manger. And then um, we see uh, the Lord appearing to the shepherds through the angel and announcing to uh, the shepherds, you know, that this child is being born. And it says, for unto you is born this day, verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he says to the shepherds, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is Pleased, So they, um, you know, they go to the place where Jesus has been born. Verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So I want you to focus on this baby being born in a manger. This child, son of God, God himself, born in human flesh. And then we go to Philippians, the letter of the apostle Paul to Philippians, which gives us a different perspective on this incarnation, this uh, process of God becoming man and uh, uh, chapter 2 Philippians verse 5 says have this mind among yourselves in other words think this way be like this people of God which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God when Jesus comes to earth he is he is God and before he came to earth he was and still is God being in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he didn't consider the fact that he was God something that he should hold on to, that he should, he should cling to. He was willing to relinquish that glory of being God. He did not grasp it, he didn't, didn't hold to it, but emptied himself. So, the incarnation, the coming of Christ, God becoming man, required an emptying. Emptying of what? Emptying of glory. Emptying of glory. Infinite dignity, emptying of um, infinite power in a way, condensed into the form of a man. So Jesus, uh, he sacked himself. He robbed himself by becoming man, by incarnating in us, in human flesh. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So I want you to uh, just focus on that idea, God becoming flesh, God incarnating, God divesting himself of infinite glory in order to become like a man for us. And uh, the, the huge uh, discomfort that that meant for this God to come down and become a human being. And I'm, I'm going to play for you just quickly. Because I want us to dwell on that. What was the cost of the incarnation? What was the cost of Christ coming into the world? And I want to play a brief video, and I want to set it up for you quickly. How many of you have seen the movie The Matrix? Uh, You you should see it. If you like science fiction, it's it's an interesting movie, very complex. And hold on a second, uh, um, Marlene, here. So what what you're going to see here, and, uh, you know, it, it may be a little sinister for this kind of gathering we're celebrating Christmas, but in any case... You know, this is a scene from the movie. It's a very complex movie. It's a series. And uh, the, one of the main characters, Morpheus, is being interrogated by um, this uh, machine in, a for, in the form of a man. Um, the movie is too complex for me to explain it to you. But what you need to see is this. I want you to notice the huge discomfort of this, this uh, really, a machine in the shape of a man complaining about his his state, the limitations. As a machine, which he exists uh, in his normal form, he is absolutely powerful, dwells in another dimension. He's been forced to dwell in this program, this computer program, which is supposedly where we live all. It's pretty complicated. But, um, you know, he's interrogating this guy who represents a threat to him, and he's speaking about how much he hates being in this form, in this shape. And I just want you to T- take a look at that for a moment, and to think about, you know, this this area of the incarnation, and what what Jesus uh, must have gone through. Let, let's let's watch this for a second.
2: Can you hear me, Morpheus? I'm going to be honest with you. I hate this place. This zoo this prison this reality whatever you want to call it i can't stand it any longer it's the smell if there is such a thing i feel saturated by it i can taste your stink every time i do i fear that i have somehow been infected by it It's repulsive isn't it? I must get out of here. I must get free. And in this mind is the key. My key. Once Zion is destroyed, there is no need for me to be here. Do you understand? I need the codes. <laughs> I have to get inside Zion. And you have to tell me how. You're going
0: All right, I apologize to you for the, you know, the seriousness of the message. And, and it does conflict, in a sense, with the joy of Christmas. But here's the point. And, and that's why I made that association uh, as I thought of this message about the incarnation, the cost. You know, this, this uh, machine man hates having been, his name is uh, Agent Smith. He, ha- he has been delegated to live in this realm just to protect this system that, they, that uh, the machines have erected. He has to live in the form of a man. He has to experience the limitations of a man. He has to smell humanity. He has to himself, uh, you know, just uh, participate in the limitations, which he doesn't have in his original form. He looks like a man. He's not a man. He's a machine. Super, super powerful. But he hates human reality. He hates that he has to cohabit with these human beings, these, these, these uh uh, beings that are so paltry, so insignificant, um, you know, so animal-like. And uh, in a sense, you know, th- I made the association because I've seen this movie, actually, I confess, a couple of, two or three times and uh, over the years. But I, it, it came to my mind, this, this moment, this scene, where he says, I hate being here. And it led me to think, you know, when Jesus comes into the world, here you have this God who inhabits this other dimension— unlimited perfect in every way and uh, now he's uh, condensed into this uh, human form i wonder what jesus felt as he compared his uh, divinity with this humble dimension that he inhabited i mean did he feel the, the, the same kinds of he, he felt discomforts the difference between agent smith this machine and jesus is that even though he experienced all of those uh, feelings and all of those discomforts, he, uh, he uh, did not complain. He did it out of love. He um, entered fully into his role, up to the point, it says, of becoming like a servant and dying at the death of a criminal. He swallowed the entire uh, cup to its very dregs. And He did it for us. So, think about that. Think about the cost of the incarnation. Because we often, we, we often speak of the agony of the crucifixion. You know, we sing, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. We think that the suffering came on the cross. And that really impacted me. That, that uh, intrigued me. We, we think of the suffering of the cross because it's so graphic, so powerful. But what about the suffering of the incarnation? The psychological, emotional experience of having to thin yourself down infinitely to the form of a man or a woman, if you would have uh, experienced a woman's uh, predicaments. But of a human being, his nervous system thinned down like a wire, very thick. He was, this wire was infinitely thick, but now it's condensed to a thin, thin wire, and he has to process his divinity through this form of a man, how much he must have suffered in a way as a result of that. You know, we never sing, I'll never know how much it cost to see you dwell in human frame, for example. We never sing that. We think we think about the cross, but we must remember that Jesus's cross really was over a whole lifetime. The moment that he was born, the moment that he was there as a baby, he was already experiencing, in a sense, a kind of suffering and a kind of crucifixion. When he incarnated, the word incarnation comes from the Latin incarnare. In Spanish, we say carne, meaning flesh, meaning meat. So when Jesus incarnated, it means that he became flesh divinity infinite unlimited divinity had to be processed through a nervous system through a physical system incarnation means that this God adopted human form and came to dwell in the world as a frail as a baby okay as we're hearing a baby right now even is reminding us of that okay so he's born in a manger humble Humiliated there, but he's already beginning to experience the drama of his incarnation. Think about in Christmas time, think about the price that Jesus paid for being born. Number one, as he was born as a man, he divested himself of his divine glory. Jesus loses, in a sense, that glory. He doesn't lose his divinity, but he loses the glory. And the dignity that he has uh, as a, as God, he empties himself. This is what Philippians says. He divested himself. He emptied. He robbed himself. As a baby, there you see him in swaddling clothes, frail. He's no longer that infinitely dignified God. Number two, Second Corinthians chapter five twenty one says that for our sake, Jesus was made to be sin. This man, this man, God, who knew no sin, he was made to be sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Notice the contrast. He was made to be sin, even though he was the righteousness of God, so that that righteousness might be given, imputed to us as well. So Jesus loses his dignity and then has to commune with sin, even though he was not sinful at all. In the cross... He is sin itself. He, he was made judicially to be the very incarnation of sin, even though he was sinless. And this is why I think the Father turns his eyes away from him. He becomes repulsive in a moment because he, he was made as if he were the very embodiment of sin. As a man, he experiences that kind of exposure. Number three. In the incarnation, Jesus was forced to experience all the temptations of a man because of his human nature. He had to go through all the unpleasantness. And and that's a mystery. Theologians have racked their brains trying to explain how how could this God-man be tempted like we were tempted. The Bible says that he was tempted in all kinds of ways without ever sinning. But he did experience the discomfort. The, the lack of dignity, the violation that it must have been to experience these human temptations, as we see, for example, in the desert, as the, Satan himself tempts him with pride and uh, all kinds of other things, with fear that you know you don't have to go to the cross; just uh, do what I tell you, and that's it. So Jesus experiences temptations as well, and the Bible says in, in uh, uh, two fifteen Hebrews, excuse me, four fifteen. Hebrews 4 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And here's the the, key to this it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This Jesus, who was tempted deeply, profoundly, when we are tempted, when we are fighting, with uh, sinful inclinations when we come to him with our brokenness and our fallenness when we violate his law when we sin against him you know he says I, I know I understand You, I, I was there I know how difficult it is I know how consuming sometimes temptation can be and so he can have mercy upon us we should never run away from God when we have been, when we have been broken when we have offended him when we have violated his law we're coming to a Christ up there who knows about sin, knows about temptation, not just in theory, because he is God. He experienced it himself, and therefore he can have mercy upon us, and he can exercise grace. That is the beauty of the incarnation. The other thing that Jesus had to go through as he became that baby, as he became that human being, he experienced all the human sensations that we experience. Grief. When he saw Lazarus, for example, dead, he cried. Fatigue. When he was there, t- uh, saw the Samaritan woman, he lay by the road for a moment to rest. Thirst, he was thirsty. He asked the Samaritan woman, give me something to drink. He experienced these feelings. He experienced uh, fear as he contemplated the possibility of the cross. His father pass this cup from me. I don't want to go through it. Because he knew. He knew about the... the Torture. He knew about the psychological pain that he was going to go through. He experienced great fear. Sweats, a sweat of blood emanated from his body. So, you know, all of these, all of these emotions that we experience, he, he went through them as, as that man, as that incarnate God. Uh, and and he, he lost, he gave up all of his divine comfort. I'm moved by what the Bible says. He knows our frame. In Psalm 103, he says that God, as a father, has compassion for his children. So does God have compassion for us because he knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust. Well, Jesus was there, all of these terrible emotions going through, all of these human feelings. And therefore, he knows how we feel. He knows. He has compassion for us. That is the beauty of Jesus coming to the earth. When we celebrate this incarnation, it's all of those things. He experienced rejection, betrayal, torture, persecution, all of those experiences also. As he became a man for us. Christmas time, yes, it's a time of joy. For us, it's a time of joy and celebration. But that joy that we experience was at the cost of maximum sacrifice. Not only on the cross. This is what I want to tell you that not only the cross was the source of uh, Jesus' agony, he drank that cup every day of his life as he experienced this reality that he did not really want to inhabit. And he he did it out of obedience to the Father. Why did Jesus do all of that? Two things. I finish with this. Number one, he did it for love. This whole drama of uh, Jesus coming to the world his baby in that manger, it was out of sheer love. It's the love that this agent, this machine cannot experience. He hates humanity. He hates his task. He hates his assignment. Jesus uh, was consumed by love. He, he, in a sense, you know, he, he knew that this was necessary. He didn't complain. He did not resist. He drank the entire cup every day of his life. He did it for love. And this is what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So as he completed his assignment on earth in this reality, that is by way an illusion, as the matrix sort of suggests. Because the real, you know what the real reality is? It's outside of this world. It's outside of time and space. It's eternity. And so Jesus understood that. And yet here he is in this illusion of, of the world that we inhabit and he's doing it out of love for us he's saying every moment of his life I love these creatures I love these beings that you have created father that we have created and I will drink the cup of my incarnation for them so he does it out of love and the last thing there's a second reason that is really important for us to listen to he did it because he didn't want us to be lost He did it because he didn't want us to experience eternal death. I'll say it even more clearly. He did it because he didn't want us to spend eternity in hell. He did not want us to not live in the reality that God has for us, created for us. Heaven, eternal life, eternal communion with him. That is the reality that he came to deliver us into. He wanted to deliver us from this reality of pain, of sin, of limitations, of illusion, of vanity. And he wants, to, he has to move us now into that other reality. How do we get into that other reality? How do we break away from this human reality? How do we break away from the reality of being separate from God? How do we move into this active place Where we cannot get in just out of inertia, just because we're human. No, we have to get there through a process. There's a transition that needs to be made. And that process, he made it possible through his life and through his death on the cross. See, so he he went through all of this daily pain and agony because he knew that if he didn't go through that, then there was no hope for us, we would be trapped for eternity. We must understand this, people of God, because a lot of people say, how can this God, this loving God, uh, allow for, you know, create uh, uh, hell? No, I think hell is uh, inertia. Hell is simply what you get when you don't have Christ in your life. Remember that that loving God went through hell himself here on earth in his incarnation. He suffered maximum Agony, psychological, emotional, physical. Because he, precisely because he loved us so much that he, do, he does not want us to go into that other place. We cannot accuse God because there is that other place, because it is a place where you go when you don't go to what the, the place that he has really created, which is heaven. And he sacrificed the maximum, he paid the maximum price. He wouldn't have paid that maximum price if you could have just gotten in, you know, just because you're a nice guy or because you worship some other religion and you know God is just a—he's a nice guy. He—he he, couldn't—that—that that was not possible. There needed to be a way to escape this reality into that other reality, and Jesus was the only solution. He's the active agent that makes it possible. So that you don't go to that other place because you simply don't have your papers ready. Right? So this, this is a Christmas season. I want you to think about this Christ who paid the maximum price so that you would have entry into that eternal reality. And he did it out of love, Even in the midst of his suffering, he did it joyfully in the spirit because he was seeing all that would come out of that. Billions of souls saved in his name. And So this morning, I want you to ask yourself, am I entering into that plan that God created? Have I entered into that plan that God created? Would you lower your head with me a second or close your eyes or however you can enter into full communion with this message this morning. I want you to ask yourself, have I taken seriously the sacrifice of Christ? Have I really thought hard about what he did? The price that he paid. And have I validated his sacrifice? Have I asked Jesus to come into my life? Have I entered into a relationship with Him? And the Bible says that the way that you do that is by confessing Him, by receiving Him, by publicly giving expression of your affiliation with Him, by accepting for yourself that what He did on the cross, what He did throughout His life was done for you, and that it, it was effective, that it accomplishes what he says that it will. And this morning even, I open this moment that if there's anyone here who wants to enter into that beautiful plan that Jesus established, I'd love to pray for you this morning. So if you want to raise your hand wherever you are, I'd like to pray for you. If you want to come forward, that's fine too. Would you like to receive Jesus, if you have not done it yet, as your Lord your Lord and Savior and ask Him to come into your heart and to dwell within you. Is there anyone who would like to invite Christ the incarnated God to come into their life this morning? We'll open it for a moment here and you can come forward or raise your hand if you want or even at the end of the, of the service if you want, come forward to one of us and we would love to pray for you. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you because you have given the maximum price. You have paid the cost. Incarnate God, Jesus, Savior of the world, Savior of my life, Savior of my soul. I pray that this morning you would touch. If there's anyone here who has not made that covenant with you, that this morning they would be touched by it, that they would be led give their lives to this incarnate Christ we thank you for the message of Christmas ever new ever relevant thank you Lord for paying that maximum price and doing it joyfully as you saw the salvation of an entire race we thank you for that this morning may this message of Christmas of a baby being born in a manger lowly undignified fragile, even rejected, unaccepted for our sake. May that message become fully real in our hearts today. Thank you for the music that we have experienced. Thank you for the joy of worshiping you. Thank you for the joy of being together. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord.